I direct your attention to verse 34. I'm going to read the verse, then in a few minutes we will set it into context. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Would you pray with me? Father, give us the same mind of Christ to know that our food is to do your work, to seek and to accomplish your will. This morning, Father, as we have worshiped in song and in giving and in the reading of Scripture, we ask you now through the proclamation of your word and in the sharing of communion to glorify your name. Focus our hearts and our minds upon Jesus and upon him alone. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. Now this sounds like a bad joke. And I tell you that at the beginning so you won't check out or wonder where I'm going. Humans and deer mule have a lot in common. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. What we have in common is this. Once we become hooked on junk food, we won't eat anything else. This truth was borne out by rangers in Grand Canyon National Park. They began to notice that some of the deer mule in the population there were beginning to die of starvation. They were curious because there was plenty of their normal food around in the foliage, but they just weren't eating it. So they wanted to find out why. So they began researching. They wanted to know if there was a disease going through the herd. Wanted to know what was happening. And what they discovered was this. The deer mule that were dying were ones that found their way into campsites that had just been emptied. Emptied of everything except potato chips, snacks, and candies. And the deer mule were eating this junk food that had been left behind. And they loved it so much. I mean, who doesn't love a good little Debbie Swiss cake roll? They wouldn't eat anything else. They only craved the junk. And so even though there was plenty of food around them, they were craving that which would kill them. And it indeed led to their death. We're like that in many ways, not just with physical food, but with food for the Spirit. We will begin to crave the things that will end up leading to our destruction. We will feed our souls on things and upon food, spiritual food that is not healthy. You see, there is nothing really that is ambivalent. You see, we are either growing in our walk with Christ or we're regressing. When I speak of spiritual food, I'm speaking of that which nourishes our walk with Christ, that nourishes our spirit, that, that helps us to be strong and healthy in walking with Christ. And there is plenty of spiritual junk food around us. But this morning as we come to share communion, we are reminded in a very tangible way what our real food is. You see, it is Jesus it is His death and His resurrection that nourishes our spirit. 
We are reminded of that in the, the bread, this unleavened bread that we will share in a few minutes. And in this juice that we will share, we are reminded that Jesus is the sustenance that we need to be spiritually healthy. It is Jesus who keeps us alive. It is Jesus who gives us joy. And we are reminded in this moment that we must feast upon him regularly. Jesus said this in John chapter 6 verse 53 when he said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now let's just get it out in front. That's kind of gross. That's a shocking statement. We realize that Jesus is speaking metaphorically. In fact, that's one of the reasons this passage is why the early church were often accused falsely of being cannibals. This is speaking metaphorically that we must bring Jesus into our lives. We don't find life by keeping Jesus distant. It's only by, by believing in Jesus and by faith, accepting Him and trusting Him that we find life and nourishment and joy. But understand that coming to Jesus, although our salvation is a one-time thing, it is an ongoing thing. Our salvation begins the process of becoming like Jesus. So just as this is a meal that we celebrate four or five times during the year, we recognize that we must be feasting upon Jesus regularly if we are to be healthy Christians. If we're not. We will find our spirits slowly dying. We will find that our walk with Christ has no vitality. And we will find that we are no different from the world around us. So how do we do this on a regular basis? How do we grow as disciples feasting upon Jesus? I direct your attention to John chapter 4. The beginning of this chapter, Jesus has uttered those words, I must go through Samaria. It's necessary. And he went through, uh, through Samaria because he had a divine appointment with a woman, an outcast that he met at a well. Now before that conversation began, the disciples left Jesus to go into town to buy food. Now they come back. They're urging Jesus in verse 31, eat, Rabbi, eat. So apparently they're back. They're opening up their buckets of chicken. I mean, what else would they eat? I, I know they had to be Baptist in there somewhere. But Jesus isn't eating. Jesus, eat, eat. Okay, it's been a, a long day. You must, you have to eat. Jesus takes this moment to teach them about something spiritually. He uses the physical desire for food, the necessity to eat food, to make a spiritual point about what really gives life eternally. So he says to them, I have food to eat you don't know anything about. Now, the disciples are thinking on a very earthly level. Somebody sneak him some food? Is there another kid around with loaves and fishes? What's going on here? Where'd you get this, Jesus? Now, verse 34, my food, in other words, what gives Jesus spiritual sustenance is doing the will of his Father. So it's important for us to ask what that will is because if we are to follow the model of Jesus, 
if Jesus gains life and sustenance by doing the will of the Father, will we not also gain life and sustenance spiritually by doing the will of the Father? The will of the Father, the word will means desire. What God wants. You could translate this by Jesus saying, My food, what gives me life is to do what God wants. Now, when we think of the will of God, we usually think in terms of vocation. What God, what career do you want me to embark upon? That's a logical question, but that's not what Jesus is dealing with. Most of us may think in terms of relationships or marriage. Lord, what is your will? Who do you want me to date? Who do you want me to marry? And that's a good question. We need to ask that. But that's not what Jesus deals with. To him, the will of the Father focuses first upon the work of redemption. I say that based on what he says next. After Jesus speaks of doing the will of his Father, he talks about bringing people in. He talks about the harvest being ripe. So he's saying the will of the Father was the work of redemption in saving people, bringing them to Christ. This is echoed later in John chapter 17 where Jesus prayed, Father, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. I've accomplished your will. The work of redemption. So if we are to feast upon the will of God, it means we must think seriously about this work of redemption. Now this morning, we have a very tangible way of reminding us that we are saved by Jesus' broken body. We have a very tangible way of remembering that we are brought into relationship because of the shed blood of Jesus. That's in the juice that we will share. But I'll also remind you that to partake of communion is a public statement that you are a disciple of Jesus. It is a public confession of your commitment to feast upon Him regularly. Feasting upon Jesus regularly is called discipleship. It's growing in Him. It's putting our, ourselves in a place where we are growing in godliness. Discipleship is saying, I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I am following Jesus. I am feasting upon Him. And just as our bodies are healthy when we eat right, so will our spirits and our walk with the Lord be right, be healthy when we are seeking to grow in grace. Usually when we think in terms of discipleship, and this morning I'm asking you to do that as we share communion. We tend to think only in terms of individual discipleship. My private prayer time. My private time in the Word. And those times are important. They are crucial. We must be doing those things. However, if we do them to the neglect of discipleship corporately in a group and as a body, we are falling far short of the redemption Jesus has purchased for us. We are saved not just as individuals, but we are saved as a body of believers. We need each other. We need each other. I need you to help me to grow spiritually. And you need me and other believers to help you to grow spiritually. The believer who says, I will go it alone and I do not need a church is a believer that will find themselves emaciated and wasting away to nothing spiritually. I'm talking about spiritual life and death. Those who would deny the role of the church in their spiritual growth 
without realizing it, they're denying the Trinity. God himself has been in perfect relationship from eternity. And if that is how God exists in Trinity, who are we to say, I can go it alone? Now, I'm about to enter into an unveiling. Because now that we've set the table for the importance of discipleship, the question is, how? How do we do that? On the screen, you're going to see a slide. Right now, our primary way of group discipleship, if you'll go ahead, there we go, is Sunday school. Sunday mornings at 9.30. Sunday school is for everyone. There's a temptation for us to think, well, now I'm an adult, I don't need Sunday school. We will never graduate from God's university. We'll always be learning. And right now, if you take a look at our Sunday school attendance, you will find that half of our Sunday morning worship attendance, only half attend Sunday school. Only half. We will average maybe around four, 450 in worship services. Usually our Sunday school is around 220 to 250. And I say that to encourage you to be involved in a group. This is a means of discipleship. But we want to do more. We want to offer greater opportunity for you to feast upon Christ with a body of believers. So to that end, and I want to ask you if you have your bulletin to take it out right now. All right, bulletin. Right here. Hopefully you received one when you came in. If you didn't, they're still free, but next week they will cost you. All right. I want you to open it, and inside you're going to find a brochure. Equip Trinity Baptist Church. You may have noticed some signs hung around the church. I want to begin introducing you to our Sunday night discipleship model called Equip. Up on the screen, and I'll be directing your attention there. Equip is going to be a little bit different than just the normal discipleship. Equip's going to be structured on a semester basis. So every fall and then every winter and spring, there's going to be new classes, new opportunities for you to learn and to meet other believers. Our first semester will begin August the 19th and will last through November the 11th. The unique thing about this is the class duration will vary. No, go back one more. There we go. I love it. Our slide person, they're anxious. They're so excited about this, they want to jump ahead. The class duration may vary. Some classes will be six weeks. Some may be eight or nine. Some may be 11. And we want you to know that because we recognize time is precious. And we want you to know what commitment you're signing up for at the very beginning so that if you take a class, you know it's going to be six weeks long and you can focus upon that. The beautiful thing about Equip on Sunday nights is that you get to interact with other believers you may never meet before. Sunday school by nature seems to gravitate toward people meeting with folks their own age. We, don't, we structure it like that loosely, but we tend to gravitate toward those that are at the same place in life as we are. But this on Sunday nights allows the opportunity for you to meet believers at different stages of life. Older, more mature, veteran believers, younger believers, those that are in between. And to meet people that you may not meet otherwise, and to meet them as you study the Word and have opportunities to grow. So, beginning August the 19th will be our equip. Now, once again, this is a little different than normal discipleship. Next slide, please. Equip is going to be structured around four different areas. So, 
I want you to think about picking an area and thinking, over the next two years, I want to take four classes. I want to take four classes in core, life, connect, or leadership. Now you may be thinking, what in the world is core? I am glad you asked. These four different areas deal with different aspects of the Christian life. The core area, and this is all written down in the brochure. These are, these are classes, beliefs that we believe every believer should have a foundational knowledge of. So in the core area, you'll find classes offered like the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Jesus, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Evangelism classes will be offered. Classes in apologetics. New member classes. Classes on worship. Core will be things that we believe should be at the core of the believer's life. Every believer should have a basic understanding of the doctrine of God. Every believer should be equipped to share their faith. These are things at the core of our faith. The next area is life. This is where we apply what we learn. All right? We've done a study now on the Holy Spirit. Great, good, woohoo! Now, what does that have to do with parenting? And parents, you know the Holy Spirit has everything to do with parenting. Can I get a witness? Lord, help me. And Equip Life is where we're going to offer classes on gospel-centered parenting. What does it look like for a believer who believes that God is, is above all and in all and over all to manage their finances? Relationship classes. These are classes that will get to, to what does it look like to live this Christian faith that we talk about. You see, the Christian faith is not about lip service. It's about life service. And this is where we begin to get to the nitty gritty. The next group, Connect. The connect area is going to be a little bit more or less loosely structured, I guess. What I mean by that is, it's groups that will come together and they're going to be discussing and applying things. These are courses that may be centered around a book where during the week you'll read a chapter and whatever book has been selected, you come together and you discuss it. In the connect group, there will be prayer groups as you connect with one another and connect with God. These are about building gospel-centered relationships. The fourth area, equip leadership. These are classes that are offered to leaders within the church, Sunday school teachers, deacons, other officers, to help hone the skills that you need to be effective leaders and teachers in the church. That's an overview. Equip is our discipleship. And equip is broken down into four areas. So, let me go a step further now. What's going to be offered this fall? Well, I'm going to satisfy that curiosity now. In our core, Eric and Catherine Anderson are going to be leading a class called Counterculture. Counterculture is material developed by David Platt. This is a six-week course that's going to focus on how should believers interact with the issues that are in our society today. Issues like poverty, racism, same-sex marriage, immigration, pornography, orphans. These are the hard issues that as believers we cannot ignore. This is a six-week course to help you think through how to engage these issues with a gospel-centered approach. The cost is $13 for the workbook. That's in the core area. Another class that will be offered is this. You'll see it up on the screen. This is our evangelism training class. Tell someone. 
This is a six-week study that will be led by Joel Tumlin. The curriculum was developed by evangelist Greg Laurie. It lasts six weeks. The cost is $9.50. The focus is how to share your faith. Every believer should be able to share the gospel. This is to help you be equipped to do that. Another class that will be offered, and this is in our Connect group, is our community Bible reading. This will be led by Pastor Moore. Community Bible reading is an effort we launched in January to focus upon us reading the Scripture together as a church. This will last for 11 weeks. You will come together to discuss the Scripture you read during the past week. What touched your heart? What did God say to you in the Word? And to pray together and to encourage one another. Cost will be $5 if you don't already have a community Bible reading journal. Once again, it's to connect with God and other believers. Up on the screen, you'll see a next class in the Connect area. This is a book by C.J. Mahaney called Living the Cross-Centered Life, Keeping the Gospel the Main Thing. Paul King will facilitate the discussion on this book. The book costs $9. It's focused on how do we take this great truth of the gospel and live it out daily. With all the pressures we face, there is a temptation to push the gospel aside. This will help us keep the gospel first and foremost. Two other classes. Next, this is a women's study. Rebuild, a study in Nehemiah. It will be led by Haley Moore. The curriculum is written by Kathleen Nelson. It will last eight weeks at a cost of $12. This is for the ladies. It will be at, as I said, 6 o'clock beginning August the 19th. And finally, for our leadership track, I'll be teaching a course in how to teach the Bible. This is focused on our Sunday school teachers and anyone else that has an interest in teaching. Maybe you teach outside. Maybe you lead a Bible study someplace else. This is a class you can take to hopefully hone those skills in teaching the Bible. But I want to encourage you to begin signing up. This final screen is just a reminder. If you'll go to the next one. August the 19th at 6 p.m. Now the reason I wanted to take time in this message to talk about this is because it's that important. If we say we are training for a marathon, but we never run, are we really serious? If we say we want to eat healthy, but we never change our diet, are we really serious? If we say we want to be disciples of Jesus, but we never engage in studies to help us change, to be transformed and meet with one another, are we really serious? That's the question I put before you as we share communion. The primary point of communion is to focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus. But by partaking of it publicly, you are confessing you are a disciple. And we are to feast upon Jesus regularly. He is to be the sustenance of our souls. Pastor Bruce McIver was a pastor in the Dallas area for many years. He was diagnosed with a serious heart problem, one that required multiple bypasses. The night before his surgery, the surgeon came in and was going through everything that would happen. And McIver looks at the surgeon and he says, can you fix my heart? The surgeon said, yes. And then left the room. It was a 
a little bit of confidence there. Yeah, I can fix it. Next day, the surgery lasts 12 hours. McIver does well. He goes to recovery. Next day, he's in the room, and the surgeon shows up again. McIver and his wife begin asking the questions. How did it go? Is the heart going to function? The surgeon says, everything went well. You'll have all the blood supply you need now. Pastor McIver's wife looked at the surgeon. He said, well, doctor, what will Bruce's quality of life be like? The surgeon responded, I fixed his heart. His quality of life is up to him. When we take communion, we are testifying He has fixed our hearts. He's given us a new heart. Now the question is, what is the quality of your life with Jesus? What is the quality of it? I want to ask you to bow your heads with me, if you will.